Matthew chapter 7, let's dive in, Sermon on the Mount. Um, I, I, I'm actually really excited for this. I think I'm going to twist your mind a little bit in the very beginning, and then I think God is going to bring some clarity to us on a passage that I've heard preached numerous times, um, and, and I think this clarity is going to empower us to really live out of who God's called us to be, okay? Matthew 7, 7 through 11, here we go. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. Who in here is a Gordon Ramsay fan? Gordon Ramsay fans, let me, nobody in here? Y'all still shook from my little spirit led deal? Okay, yes, Gordon Ramsay fan. I love Gordon. Others, you're like, oh, he cusses too much. So does Anna, and we all love Anna, right? I mean, Gordon Ramsay, I love Gordon Ramsay. He's, in fact, the, uh, the Master Chef Junior is what endeared me to Gordon Ramsay. So let me tell you the ultimate date night. Are you ready? We're planning it. One of these days, we're actually just going to pull the trigger and do it. A, a day trip. Okay, here's what you do. I'm, I'm giving this to you. Fellas, take notes. This is a killer date night, right? I have wanted to eat at one of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants for uh, a really long time, since I started watching MasterChef and fell in love with Gordon Ramsay. And so he's got a restaurant in Vegas. He's got a couple of them, and, and Ramsay Steak is in Vegas. And he, here's what I want to do. Uh, you can find these Spirit Airline flights for like 27 bucks one way to Vegas, right? So I want to get a $27 Spirit Airlines flight to Las Vegas at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? So we take off at 3 o'clock. We're there by 5 o'clock. Once we arrive at 5, we take a car to the restaurant, dinner reservation at 6 at Ramsey Steak. I want a beef Wellington cooked in Gordon Ramsey's restaurant. Is there anybody else that's, in, that's feeling me on this? Have dinner. After we have dinner, 8, 8.30, whatever, then we get a ride back to the airport, catch another $27, 11 o'clock at night, flight home, we're back. Now, you, you're thinking to yourself, right? You're like, well, why wouldn't you stay the night? Uh, you don't have small kids at your house. You see, here is what we would do. We'd have the iPads charged up, we'd lock them all in their rooms, and we'd leave at 3. Boy, you can be back by bedtime. You can have all of that done. You can go to Vegas and back and have dinner at Ramsey Steakhouse and not even have to pay for a babysitter. We'd have it all knocked out and handled. Then we'd get back and enjoy it, right? I, I, that is, what if I just told you we're doing that tomorrow? <laughs> well, that was a fail because I actually not. But, I mean, we will. We'll do it soon. I can't wait. That, that's like my dream date night. There was a guy who was, I was reading about, he ate at Ramsey Steakhouse. And he said, uh, when he sat down, he started looking at the menu. And guys, will you, will you throw the menu up there really quick? The menu, here it is. Okay, you can't quite see it here, but let me show you. Uh, he's, he's looking at these steaks, and this is Japanese A5, that's, that's Kobe beef, right? 
best beef in the world you can get. And he's seeing this, and then he saw the Wagyu down here, and he was like, wow, that's, uh, I think it's four ounces. Yes, it's like four ounces for $84, something like that. I can't really tell. But he said, man, I saw $35 for four ounces. And he was like, man, I've never seen Kobe at a deal like that. $35 for four ounces, give me 12 ounces. So he orders 12 ounces. And he said it was the best tasting beef he's ever had in his life. He said it melted in his mouth like cotton candy. It was just incredible. It was amazing. And then the bill arrived, and guys, show the bill. <laughs> and then he has Japanese A5, 12 ounces for $420. And he realized something, that he grossly misread the menu, and he said in the article that I was reading, if you misread a menu in Ramsey Steakhouse, you pay for it dearly. If you misread the menu, that wasn't 35 for four ounces, that was 35 per ounce. He said if you misread the menu, you pay for it dearly. If you misread Matthew 7, 7 through 11, you pay for it dearly spiritually. Hear me. If we take this passage of Scripture and we misread this, and then I preach it to you out of context, there are dangerous and costly consequences to our faith. In fact, let me just do that for you. Let me, let me give you the out of context. I'll give you the youth pastor version right now. I'm not just kidding. I'm not, I'm not banging on youth pastors, but let me, let me just give you the two minute out of context. If anyone walks through here in the next two minutes, just tell them, hey, what pastor's saying right now is not true, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? Okay, here we go. This is the out of context two minute sermon on Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Guys, throw it back up there. Ask, and it will be given to you. What does that mean? It means ask God for anything that you want, and it's going to be given to you. Seek, and you will find. If you're looking for it, God's got it in his back pocket. You just got to seek him, and you will find what you're looking for. Knock, and the door will be open. That means every step of faith that you're thinking, every decision that you're contemplating, everything that you want to do, just open up that door, walk right through. God's going to give it to you. How about <laughs> right? And then, wait, here, here's even more. For everyone who asks receives. That means if you ask it, you get it. And the one who seeks finds. That means if you're looking, you're going to find it. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you? If your son asks you for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Know what that means? That means if you ask him for something, he's going to give you something even better because he wants to give you even better than everything that you have on your request list for God. He's going to do it all. And by the way, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I haven't got what I've been asking for and I haven't found what I've been looking for and the door hasn't opened that I've been knocking on, well, that's because these are present tense, continuous grief verbs. That means it's over and over and over. That means you just keep on asking, you keep on seeking, and you keep on knocking. Now, let's rub our hands together, blow on the genie bottle, and get whatever we want from God. We ready? A mess, right? It's a disaster. Let's, let's ask three questions. 
This is called deconstruction. This is the new cool thing to do, right? Let's, let's deconstruct that out-of-context sermon. Let me ask you three questions. Number one, is that how you've experienced God? Both in his word and in your life, is that how you've experienced God? Ask him whatever, and you're going to receive it. Ask him whatever you want, and he's going to give it to you. <laughs> I'll be the first one to say, I am thankful that God did not give me everything that I've asked him for. I remember falling in love with some girl in seventh grade, asking God to make her my wife. Anna's like, who is she? <laughs> I'm so thankful that God did not give me everything that I've asked him for. Number two, if God gave us everything we asked for, is he really God? If God exists to give me everything that I ask him for, is he God? Or am I God? Is he the sovereign creator over all of earth? Is he the one who is, who's God or does that make me God? And then number three, if I have the ability to pray and get whatever I want from God, who's in control, me or God? If I have the ability to pray and get whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however I wanted, and if I don't get it, I just keep asking for it, and I keep seeking it, and I keep knocking, and then finally, I get what I want. If I have the ability to get whatever I want from God, then who is actually in control? Okay. Simple enough. We know God is not a cosmic vending machine, right? We know God doesn't exist to just merely give us everything that we want. So what do we do with this passage of Scripture? Remember I told you at the very beginning, I'm going to mess with you a little bit, and then I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through it. And I, I truly believe, and I haven't spent enough time studying this in the past, and I spent uh, the past week on it, and I believe this is one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture that we can have. This is one of the most encouraging passages, one of the most encouraging sections in the Sermon on the Mount. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk you through, ask, seek, knock. I'm going to walk you through the gift and what the gift actually means. And then I'm going to share with you how we're better because of it. How, how the true interpretation of it makes us better. Okay, ask, seek, knock. Are you ready? What are we saying when we say, he who asks will receive, he who seeks will find, he who knocks, the door will be open to you. Remember this. This is part of a sermon. We have spent weeks, six or seven weeks, walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And every single week, he is built upon his previous passages, previous part that he has shared. It is part of a sermon. And what is the message of the sermon? Week one, we have a new message, and that is the message of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 4, 17, he says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. And then it says he gathered, he, gathered, he gathered crowds around him and he began preaching to them. And he started out with the Beatitudes. The foundation of the sermon is the Beatitudes. It is our kingdom ethic. It is who we are called to be. The results of, that, of living out the Beatitudes are we are salt and light. And the example that we live out is the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. It is the kingdom principles, okay? So here's what I want to do. We have to remember, ask, seek, knock is part of this sermon, and it's built to this point, okay? So I'm going to recap for you in another 
three minutes the past six weeks' messages, okay, in the form of what is a kingdom person. So if we're saying the message then is how to become a kingdom person, and we're saying the past several weeks we have spent talking about what it means to live as a kingdom person here on earth, and Jesus' sermon revolves around it, here is everything you need to know. You could have skipped the last five weeks, and here it is for you, okay? Here's what a kingdom person looks like. They're living the Beatitudes, They're poor in spirit, they mourn, they're meek, they hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're merciful, they're pure in heart, they're peacemakers, and they consider themselves blessed when they're persecuted. What does that do? Who who are they? When we say, who is a kingdom person? It is a person who is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. How do they live? They live by the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. And then he gives us six examples. They're not angry with brothers and sisters. They're not looking for revenge. They love their enemies and pray for them. They're not lusting and corrupted in their heart. They don't devalue marriage, and they are people of their word. When it comes to giving, praying, and fasting, what do kingdom people look like? They put God first with the right heart, with the right spirit. They're not looking to get praise from man, but they're just concerned with putting God first. They put God first financially. They love God more than they love money because you can't serve both God and money. Two weeks ago, when it comes to judgment, what's a kingdom person look like? They use judgment, but they don't judge, right? We talked about that, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Last week, they use judgment, but they don't judge. That's who we're called to be. Now, if I were to ask you to come up and testify to your past month how you have lived out every single one of those pieces, it's a tall order. It's difficult. It's hard. Haven't really been a peacemaker. Haven't been very merciful to people. Haven't been very poor in spirit haven't been hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I've been pretty judgmental at times. How do I, how do, I do this? And what does Jesus say? Ask. Ask, and you will find. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Contextually, what are we talking about here? We are talking about how to live as a kingdom person. So what does ask, seek, knock refer to? Living the kingdom life. So when we hear all of that and we say, man, I'm really struggling in this area, or this is really, really difficult for me, or I'm having a challenge being a kingdom person and not being so judgmental, Jesus says, ask me and you'll receive it. Seek me and you will find. Knock, and I'll give you opportunity. That's what we're talking about. So the promise then is not to give you everything that you want. That's not the promise of Matthew 7, 7 through 11. The promise is to make you everything that God has called you to be. That's the promise. He's saying, I will make you into the person that I've called you to be. You want to be salt and you want to be light? Ask me and you will, you will figure it out. Seek me and you will find it. Knock and I'll give you every opportunity to be salt and light. You want to be a merciful person. You want to be poor in spirit. You want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I have the answers 
for you. Why is this important? Because the promise is not that God's going to do whatever we ask him to do. The promise is God is going to make us all that he's called us to be. Listen to Paul testify of this, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, I am not saying that because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Can you be content in any situation? Can you be content regardless of what happens to you? Can you be content no matter what you're walking through? He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Say, man, I've been rich and I've been broke. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Getting what we want from God only makes us content when we're in control. Getting everything that we ask God for, everything that we petition Him for, everything that we want. If we only, if we only approach God with ask, seek, knock, as in God, I need this from you. I need you to do this from me. I need you to provide this for me. If we're only content when we get what we want from God, then our contentment is false because it's all about us. But when we become who God wants us to be, we become content in all circumstances. There is no situation. There is nothing that I can walk. There's nothing that can happen to me that can rob me of the contentment and peace and satisfaction that I have in God. When I was uh, growing up, there were two restaurants in my hometown. One of them was a mom and pop barbecue shop, K&M Barbecue. You know all about K&M. Chris went there last week. He was traveling through the area and went to K&M Barbecue. The other one is Sonic. We had Cannon Barbecue and Sonic. And then uh, a few years later, they, seven miles outside of my hometown, they built an Applebee's. And I remember, man, you talk about the cat's meow. It was Applebee's. Applebee's was the deal. If you had a big birthday coming up, you went to Applebee's. You turned 16, man, you're partying at Applebee's, and you got the booth with all your school memorabilia on it. You know, it was a really, really big deal. If your parents were celebrating their anniversary, they were going to Applebee's, man. Applebee's was the jam. And then I remember I started playing on this traveling baseball team. And there were these really rich kids. It wasn't in the woodlands, but there were these, these really rich kids, right? And they were, uh, we, we, were, we were playing, and we, we finished the game, and then we were going to go out to eat. And one of them was like, hey, where should we go? And I said, uh, dude, I said, there's an Applebee's right across the street. <laughs> one of these kids said, hmm, you mean Crapplebee's? I was like, dude, what's wrong with you? And he was like, yeah, that place is disgusting. Their food's terrible. Tell me you don't really mean Applebee's, right? Who wants to go to Crapplebee's, right? And I, and I remember thinking to myself, how can you not be content with Applebee's? How can you, I mean, how can you talk bad about the place right here? And what had happened was their expectations had risen to a level where they were no longer allowed to be content in certain circumstances. When we begin placing expectations on God, and God doesn't meet our expectations. Well, I've asked. Why well, haven't I received? I'm seeking. I'm not finding. 
I'm knocking and the door's not opening. And we begin to place these expectations on it. When he doesn't meet the expectations, our contentment begins to drift away. When our expectations are more important than God's sovereignty, we've got a problem. When what we expect of God is more important than our trust in God's goodness, we have a problem. But when I become a kingdom person, and when I recognize that if I ask and I seek and I knock because I want to become more like Christ, and I want to be the salt of the earth, and I want to be the light of the world, and I want to be a peacemaker, and I want to be merciful, and I want to comfort those who mourn, and I want to love on people, and I want to quit being so judgmental, and I want to quit being so hard-headed, and I just want to be like Jesus, all of a sudden we start living as a kingdom person. There is nothing that can rob from us what we long for because God is then in control. And I can give him glory when I have everything going great. And I can give him glory when everything's falling apart. I can give him glory when things are wonderful. I can give him glory in things of tragedy. Every area of my life becomes a beam of God's glory because I found contentment in not being in control. I found contentment in trusting a good and sovereign God who is over all things and who longs to make me more like himself. That's the goal. That's what ask, seek, knock is all about. Ask, seek, knock is not a cosmic vending machine. It's deeper than that. It's better than that. I'm going to show you at the end why it's better than that. Because it's, it is asking God to make me more like him. It is seeking him and growing in greater intimacy with him. It is knocking on the door of his grace, of his mercy, of his love, of his purpose, of his hope. And it is finding those things and becoming all that God wants me to be. We don't have a do God, we have a be God. We don't have a God that we just go to to do it. We have a God that we go to to become. To make me into who he wants. And then I'll show you the second part, the gift. And this is so cool. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. It says, which of you, if your son asks you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now we got the context down. So now that we're working with context, what does this say? Ask him to become more like him. Seek him to become more like him. Knock to become more like him. And then guess what? His goodness will care for you all the days of your life. Because he's good. He's faithful. He's true. He knows what we need more than we do. Can you imagine that? The creator of the world knows my needs more than I know them myself. And if we'll ask him, if we'll seek him, and if we'll knock, he says, look, you don't need to worry about the dew. The dew is covered. This guy ain't going to give you a snake. He's going to do more than you ask for. He's good. He's faithful. You just become who God wants you to become, and then you will receive what God desires for you to receive because his goodness is greater than what you could imagine. Now, here's something fun with this gift because then we ask the question, well, what is the gift? Luke 11, 9 through 13. Luke is communicating the same message. He's translating the same message. And here's what he shares, and he says, whoa, am I there? Okay. Someone didn't like that part. All right, Luke 11, 9 through 13. 
So I say, it's the same sermon, different translator, catch the end. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't that interesting? That where Matthew says gift, Luke just drops Holy Spirit. As if to say, what Matthew was suggesting is, let's just give you the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the best gift you can get anyway. Yes, he'll give you the gifts to do it, but why not just say Holy Spirit? So we ask ourselves, the question then is not, well, did he mean gifts or did he mean Holy Spirit? It means what is the context of a gift that God gives us? So let's look back at some of the gifts that God gives. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. You have everything that you need for a godly life. And if you feel like you're lacking something that you need to live a godly life, what do you do? Ask, seek, knock. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So he gives us everything we need to live a godly life, and it's for his goodness, and it's for his glory. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Where does every good and perfect gift come from? It comes from him. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10. through 10. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Here's what we're saying. We're saying if we ask, we seek, and we knock, and we do it in context, asking God to make us more like him, asking God to help us live the Beatitudes, asking God to help us be salt and light, asking God to take away our judgmental spirit, asking God to just do a great work within us, then he will give us the ask, seek, knock by way of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what's empowering you to be more like him? What's empowering you to walk with him? What's empowering you to look more like him, to treat people more like him, to reflect Jesus in the community, at work, with your family? It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of the Spirit living in you that is bearing witness to Christ. He's saying, I will give you a gift, and that gift will actually make you more like me. How many worst, worst gift givers? Where are you at? Let's, let's all sympathize. I'm not a good gift giver. Where are my bad gift givers? Come on. Women, raise your husband's hands for me. Would you please point at them like this? I need to feel good about myself right now. I, I have grown in this area, but I honestly was not a very good gift giver. Um, I'll tell you about a friend of mine, though. This is funny. He, he's the worst gift giver of all time. He got his wife. This is my buddy's mom. This was at Christmas time. The whole family is gathered and he got his wife a year-long membership to 24-hour fitness with a trainer three times a week. <laughs> wow, rookie move, pal. It actually did not work out well at all because she'd gained some weight, and, and he gave her this gift, and he thought it was what she wanted, and she started crying, and they got in a huge fight, and it, like, ruined Christmas for him, right? So uh, not a smooth move there. I'll tell you, for me, um, it was Valentine's Day was coming up, and Anna used to cut hair. Anna, Anna used to cut my hair. 
And uh, she, had, she was cutting my hair one time, and she said, man, I hate these clippers. They're no good. They catch everything. We were just dating, and I was like, ah, bingo, got it. So I called my cousin, who's a stylist, and I was like, hey, get me into a beauty supply shop. I need to buy Anna the best clippers that I can find her. So I roll through there, and I find these really expensive, really cool clippers, and I buy them. Babe, I'm talking about you. I see you. And I bought, I bought these clippers for Anna, and, and then we went to Valentine's Day. It was our first Valentine's Day, and I was like, hey, listen. I've fallen so deeply in love with you. I love you so much. You're the person I see my future with. And I just want you to know, as a token of my love, I've gone out and I've got you what I feel like is the greatest gift for you on the face of the planet. And I slid it across and I had it wrapped professionally. You know, it was just so nice. And she gets it and she opens it up and it's this metal tin. You know, they come in those metal tin and she flips the thing open. I think she's thinking there's something different inside. Opens it up. Nope, it's clippers. And she's looking at him and she's like, oh. She's like, well, well, thank you. And I was like, what's wrong? Wrong brand? Like, you don't like the color? What, what did I do? Like what, and I finally, she, she was trying to be so gracious, and she was trying to be so kind. She's like, no, thanks so much. And I was like, come on, tell me. I know this isn't catching, right? And she said, well, you know, I, I kind of only cut your hair now, so you kind of just bought me a gift that was for you. Yeah. It's like, you kind of just bought yourself a gift. And it was Valentine's Day. This wasn't even like a birthday or, you know, something. It's like, this, is like, this, is, this is the token of your love? Hair clippers? Right? And I realized something. I had given her a gift that was really just for me. But when we hear of this gift in Scripture, the gift that we've been given, Jesus left this earth and he gave us the gift. He said, there is one greater than me that is coming for you to help you. We get the gift of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit to lead us, to make us more like him. He's given us a gift that is actually for him because it bears witness to him. It bears witness of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven here on earth, spirit within me, bearing it to people. That's the gift. And then we finish here. What does all this mean? Okay. Ask, seek, knock is in context of the sermon to become more like Jesus. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do all of this. What does this mean? This means that Jesus longs to make us a kingdom people. He longs to do anything that we ask, to show up anywhere that we look for him, and to open any door that we knock on if it has to do with us becoming the people that he has called us to be. And he promises by the gift of the Holy Spirit that he will do that and that he will do even greater through us. Let me lead you to James 5. This is why this is so important. James 5, 14 through 16. We've been praying this over Drew Frisch for over a month and a half. It says, are, you, are any of you sick? You shall call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Listen to verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, that Greek word for righteous is a judge by divine laws. 
it could fit perfectly inside of a kingdom. You have a kingdom as the location, and the righteous are the people that are living by the just laws of the kingdom, right? So he says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Who wants great power and wonderful results? Then you have to be who God has called you to be in order to produce powerful results and to see God move. The condition here is the righteous person. If you are living righteous, you have incredible power. If you are living righteous, you have amazing results. So the ask, seek, knock, thank God it's not about God just giving us everything that we want and it's him making us everything that we need to be so that we can pray with power, so that we can produce wonderful results, so that we can see the Holy Spirit move and do things that we could not imagine or ask or think revealed to us by the power of his spirit. Ask, seek, knock does not make you God. Ask, seek, knock makes you like God. And the promise of the gift is the promise that God will be God and he will do everything that we long, that we ask, that we seek, and we ask him to do that makes us like him so that we can have power moving in our lives. So that we can have his grace doing things on our behalf. It's him that does it. It's him that will always do it. And our number one focus is to just be more like him. Because the more we're like him, the more bulletproof we become. There's no situation. There's no circumstance. There's nothing that can rob our contentment or satisfaction when we're just becoming more like him and living more like him. When I was a kid, uh, the bowling alley and the town next door got laser tag for the first time. I was alive when laser tag was invented. Isn't that awesome? I was alive when Facebook didn't exist. I was alive before the iPhone. My first phone I got after high school. And it was a flip phone, and you had to punch the number like seven times to get to Z, right? It was like all the, there was no keyboards and all of this stuff, right? But I remember when laser tag came about, and my buddies and I, we went to play laser tag, and when we got there, uh, we, we realized something, so they put this, this vest on you, okay? And this vest had this giant, like, sensor right here in the middle, and then they gave you this gun, and you, the, the objective was to run around and hit the laser. Well, it didn't take a rocket scientist, and trust me, I'm not a rocket scientist, to figure out that if you ran around like this, nobody could get you. So my buddies and I were on the same team, like, hey, you know, just cover it up, cover it up. And, and so we're running around like this, and we're just walking people down, mowing people down, right, in laser tag. And it's just beep, 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 and nobody's touching us. And we had high scores, and we had all of this going on because something was covering us so that we could stay on attack. When we talk about ask, seek, knock, when we talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we talk about God doing things through us because we're becoming more like him, we are talking about guarding our spirit guarding our heart so we can be on the offensive for what God wants to do. God wants to do greater in you than you want for yourself. But he wants to be the one that does it. And he wants to do it for you as you're becoming more and more like him. 